0: Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Jarvik, and this is going to be a podcast about pharmacology for intracranial regulation. And I'll be talking about different exemplars as we go through this. <clears throat> so, the first one we're going to start with is traumatic brain injury. And of course, remember, traumatic brain injury is whenever there has been some sort of injury, whether that has been a car accident or uh, a sledding accident, falling out of a tree, whatever where the brain has had some sort of trauma <clears throat> and we have that risk for increase in a cranial pressure. And so the go-to medication I really want you to think about with increased in a cranial pressure is mannitol. <clears throat> so mannitol is an osmotic diuretic, meaning that it's going to pull the fluid out of the brain um, and it's going to therefore decrease that cerebral edema. <clears throat> Important things from a nursing standpoint is it's given through a filter. Um, as an IV push, not as a drip, and it's frequently followed by a loop diuretic for Um, And there's really not any patient teaching to do with this one, but we would be monitoring intake and output and our electrolytes. <clears throat> That's really the big thing I want you to know with that. And of course, we'd be monitoring somebody's level of consciousness with this. <clears throat> now, if they've had a traumatic brain injury and they're in the ICU, with in the cranial pressure, we may have to do sedatives such as Diprivan. That is going to help decrease the metabolic demands, um, which is going to therefore decrease our oxygen demands. Uh, the big thing here um, is really monitoring vital signs has a mild amnesic effect and um, be watching that um, SpO2 in that. <clears throat> of course, this person's potentially even uh, intubated. Now, with the traumatic brain injury, um, and that increasing ICP, uh, there is the risk for seizures. Uh, The same for somebody who has a hemorrhagic stroke. So with a hemorrhagic stroke, because they're more likely to have increased intracranial pressure, those people may be put on um, seizure medication prophylactically. And so by prophylactically, we mean preventatively to keep them from having that seizure because if they have a seizure, that's going to just increase their intracranial pressure. So one, um, well, let me try to go in order here so I I have some semblance. Um, One of the older medications uh, for seizures is called phenobarbital. And I know we talked about that in class. In the name, it has barbitol, which automatically makes me think of barbiturates, which are kind of those downers. And so the most common adverse effect of phenobarbital is, of course, that sedation. <clears throat> so we really have to be careful with um, phenobarbital, uh, making sure that the patient um, is taking their doses appropriately and that they um, are not too sedated with it. Um, another medication, phenytoin, which we've talked um, about a lot, <clears throat> uh, phenytoin, also known as dilantin, um, one of the most common uh, side effects that people are aware of with this one is that uh, gingival hyperplasia and so gingival hyperplasia is when the patient has that redden gums that bleed easily so making sure that they're doing excellent oral care um, brushing their teeth appropriately flossing is going to be really important um, to to work with that um, some other, common things that happen with phenytoin can be some, some lethargy, mental confusion. And um, remember that this medication is really hard on the veins. So we um, really need to have it diluted or hang it by like a piggyback, which honestly, that's the only way I've ever given it was by a piggyback, but it's been a while since I've had to give uh, phenytoin. (laughs) <laughs> Venetoin is also a medication that requires blood monitoring levels. It's not the only one. So, know that we may be teaching the patient they have to get their bloods monitored uh, periodically according to the physician's orders. So, another anti epileptic medication is carbamazepine and um, carbamazepine. Um, some of the, the teaching that we would uh, do for that is that um, <clears throat> really because of the, the risk for some some sedation with a lot of these anti-epileptics that really a patient shouldn't be drinking um, while they're on them. And so other other some just general things, I can't remember if I said this or not already, um, things for somebody who is taking an anti-epileptic medication <clears throat> that, they really need to wear a medical alert bracelet, right? <clears throat> so if somebody's found down, that we we know that anybody who's a bystander knows that they potentially could have had a seizure, could be having a seizure in case of something they don't know. <clears throat> Making sure that um, they aren't drinking alcohol because of the sedation and the increased risk for CNS effects, that drowsiness and mood changes. <clears throat> Some medications like uh, carbamazepine really should be given with meals. Um, to help decrease that risk for GI distress. Um, Other medications like valproic acid uh, should not be given with milk and um, they also shouldn't take that with carbonated beverages uh, because it can actually cause problems for them. So those are some of those kind of um, lesser known facts that uh, we would want to do a little teaching on for those patients. Uh, now, gabapentin, um, this is a, a technically an anti and, and of all the times I've given, and I've given this medication a ton, um, it it's actually can also be used for um, <clears throat> peripheral neuropathies. And actually, I, I took it for a neuropathy myself, and um, I didn't really like how sleepy it made me, but it, it really did work for that. Um, so it, you know, it is that CNS and, and there's GI symptoms with that also. Um, Limitrogen, that's also another anti Um <clears throat> Really with uh, um, it can cause that CNS <clears throat> depressant. Um, <clears throat> and we would um, teach them about Steven Johnson syndrome, which is just a really, Awful um, thing that can happen to patients—a skin disorder um, with a rash. Um, Levetiracetam. Uh, hopefully, I said that one right. Finally, L-E-V-E-T-I-R-A-C-E-T-A-M, also known as cupra. Um, So, with that medication, we would teach them um, to have their their blood drawn. Um, we also do that with the limitogen. Uh, it can be hard on the liver. So we wanna get some labs um, ahead of time at the beginning. And I talked about the uh, valproic acid as far as, um, it's also a a monitoring for blood monitoring level. Um, Let's see, anything else that I wanted to tell you about these? Carbamazepine. Uh, lots of times, they'll also do a CBC on them um, <clears throat> because they can get some of that aplastic anemia. And those are really a lot of the the big points. I mean, we could just go on and on and on about anti epileptics. And I, I really just want to um, kind of give you some of the basics. Um, if you do look in your uh, Lily book under the implementa- implementation part, that's where some of those uh, nursing interventions or those kind of uh, weirder things to look for, those are in there. Um, and then <clears throat> talked about the alcohol, they really should not be taking that. Uh, talked about the, the drowsiness, that that's one of those big things that happen. Um, if, if you have a woman who's wanting to get pregnant, they really have to double check and make sure that that medication that they're on is appropriate for um, pregnancy and being safe for a baby. And that's really it on anti epileptics. So the next <clears throat> thing I wanted to talk about... Um, is the medications for stroke. Sorry, I just like had a little stroke there myself. Nope, just kidding. I didn't. Um, Alteplase. So I was just trying to remember what I've gone over and what I haven't. All right, so Alteplase. So medications that we're going to give for a patient who has had a ischemic stroke. So if we've talked about an ischemic stroke is where there's been a decreased blood flow to the brain And this can either be from a clot or some emboli, something that's getting through that then is blocking further blood flow. And so as we've talked about before, um, alteplase is really going to be that go-to medication for somebody who's having an ischemic stroke. Specifically, um, you know, they have a clot. And with this medication, the most important thing to think about is the time that the symptoms first start. We have a three hour window from the time the patient first has symptoms of a stroke to being able to give that uh, TPA or the alteplase. And so with that TPA, one of the big things if we give it beyond that three hours is that the patient may have actually increased (laughs) bleeding than they would have had without it. And so of course, we never want that to happen. This medication, um, TPA, tissue plasminogen activator, Really should be given <clears throat> to a patient who is in the ICU or specifically on a stroke unit where they're they're really able to monitor this patient. So it's that clot buster medication. Vital signs have to be checked very frequently. Neuro checks need to be checked very frequently, and it's just you know a high alert medication. So there's a lot of safety that goes into that. <clears throat> Once somebody's gotten TPA, we wouldn't want to put any invasive lines in them right away, usually for 24 hours, because of course, when we put something in and they're at that increased risk for bleeding, we have to be really careful. So, those things such as NG tubes or a, a <laughs> urinary catheter, <clears throat> those things have to wait until after that TPA if we didn't get them in beforehand. <clears throat> now, um, a patient who has an, an ischemic stroke may also be put on heparin. And so heparin infusion is what they would be on. We know that heparin subcutaneous is great for prevention of deep vein thrombosis or thrombophlebitis, but that's not going to be enough for somebody who is having a ischemic stroke. <clears throat> so they could be getting a heparin infusion. And of course, with the heparin infusion, the lab that we monitor that is APTT um, or PTT and we'll talk more about that in in a future unit about uh, some of those other things. Um, The reversal agent for heparin is protamine sulfate. And um, these patients may also, if they've had either a a TIA, a transient ischemic attack, they may be placed on uh, enteric-coated aspirin. And so remember that enteric-coated means that that's helping to protect the stomach, so that should never be crushed. And it helps them from having those GI issues. One of the biggest issues with um, aspirin is the risk for bleeding. So watching for bruising or tarry stools, teaching them not to take it with other things that can increase bleeding. Like we've talked about NSAIDs before. So we'd really want to make sure that if they're on those medications, that we would do that teaching accordingly. I think that is really the big stuff about the... um, antiplatelets, I know we talked about Eliquis. Um, We'll talk about that more in some other units. The best thing about Eliquis is that we don't have to do that blood monitoring that we have to do with warfarin. Um, But those are really the big things I want you to take away from this unit. If you have any questions, please let me know. And I hope this was helpful.